Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Rise Church podcast. We're a church in Southeast Idaho on mission to help people take steps in relationship with Jesus. For more information, check us out at risechurchid.org. All right, enjoy the message. So I'm going to read in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We're going to work our way through 17 verses this morning. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come on, that's got to fire somebody up right there. Let us run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Where it says in scripture, my son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Wow. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls to obtain or fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness might spring up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unlike Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." 
Once again, Holy Spirit, we invite you just to have your way in us. Lord, this is your word. You declare it to be profitable for reproof and for correction, for training in all sorts of righteousness that we would be prepared for every good work. And so we ask, God, that you would speak to us, that you would cause this word to be effective in our lives this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. The goal this morning is to ease us into a brand new series. I'll get to the title here in just a few minutes. We'll get to breaking that down here in just a few minutes. But first, I just want to look at this scripture here in Hebrews as we kind of lay a foundation for where we're going in this season together, hopefully, that we would all join, link arms together, and we would walk this out together. Now, as we read through this, it's super easy to automatically get into the mind, mindset of understanding these scriptures like as if it's meant specifically for us, as if it's referring directly to our own sin and our own struggle with sin. It's easy to think that way because we're naturally self-centered. Someone give me an amen. Like, this is just how it is. This is what happens. It's built into our flesh. We're naturally thinking about ourselves. Me, 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 right? We're often thinking down this path. And it can be beneficial to think about these scriptures in a highly personalized way as we would look through, like looking to Jesus, how he struggled through sin, how he resisted it, and how we haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding our own blood because of these sins. It's good, and it would be beneficial to to think of that in our own personal way, and we, we should know that this, this would help us to be empowered to walk through sin in our lives as we see the challenges of it in our lives, but I would caution us from leaving our understanding of these scriptures right there at a highly personalized point. Why? Why would I say that? We must remember the context. We must remember what's being said, what's being stated within these scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 11, right before this, it goes through the hall of faith. You guys recall that chapter? It's such a good chapter. It talks through all of these like heroes in our faith, talking about like Abraham. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he did some really cool stuff. Abraham's a pretty cool guy. It, It talks about Gideon. It talks about all of these people And then as we get right here into Hebrews chapter 12, after talking about all of these other people, there's this statement that says here, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, it's setting the tone. This is the way that we are supposed to understand this scripture. In light of the cloud of witnesses, in light of all of those people who have gone before us, all of those people who are are walking with us now, all of those people who will walk with us in the future, we've got community around us. That is how we're supposed to be understanding this scripture. In light of this great cloud of witnesses. And so when it's talking this through, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. It's important, and I often use this scripture, to talk about our personal walk, 
right? As if we are personally running this race, and we are, because that's, that's scripturally correct. We do have a race in our own lives where we have to let, lay aside sin, where we have to lay aside, it's almost like we're running this, this marathon, and we've got these 45-pound Olympic weights that we're running with, and it's time to lay those things down so that we can effectively run this race. That's good. That's important. But the context of this speaks about us doing this within community, us doing this within people around us. We've got to remember that as we consider Jesus enduring the cross and what he did on the cross, that was not only done for me. That was not only just done for you. That was done for other people too. So in in the context of Hebrews chapter 12, it demands that we understand the scriptures in a way where we're reflecting on our own personal walk with Jesus as well as our relationship with other people. And so the exhortation here, the encouragement here is that as we struggle against sin, not just our own personal sin, and we're going to dive in here. Not just our own personal sin, but the sins of all the people around me, the sins of our community, the sins of the people sitting next to us. You know, the one where you kind of said hi and you're not sure if they saw you or not, but they didn't wave back at you. And so you've got this little offense down in you now. You know that feeling? You've you've ever had that feeling? I've I've had that feeling where I'm like, I can't believe they just walked past me. Are you kidding me? This This is church. This is church. I can't believe they... Y'all, this is what church is. We are all, we are all those who are continued to be sanctified. We don't all look perfectly like Jesus yet. I'm still gonna step on your toes, even though I'm a pastor. I still do and say dumb things all the time. Amen. <laughs> Come on, Tom. It's the truth though. And that's the truth for all of us. That we can be human that we can have our mistakes, that we can still have room for growth. Y'all, when I walk into a church and people are all so holy and all perfect and put together, I just feel like I don't fit there. And I just want to declare to you, this is not that place. This is not the perfect place for perfect people. Rise is the perfect place for imperfect people, where we get to be broken, where we get to spit up on each other with words and, and actions and all that stuff. And we, yeah, maybe it gets a little bit smelly sometimes, but that is the body of Christ. This, this is who we are. I want to continue to encourage us down, down this line of, of thought. It's in a very pointed way. Um, where the writer also continues to remind us, even though the writer goes through this like Pauline shift, if you will. I don't know if you guys have ever read Paul's letters. Paul, when he writes, it's like he's writing and then he jumps over here. I'm going to stand in this lane for a little bit. I'm going to talk about this for a little bit, but it's still related to this. So you got to bring it back over here. And as you're working to do that, I'm going to bring in this idea too. And we're going to bring this in, right? So he's kind of like all over the place, but it all melds together. I love it. I love Paul. I love his writings, but that's why 
many theologians believe that uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews uh, was probably someone who walked pretty closely with Paul because the language there is, is very similar. The way that he jumps around is, is very similar. But you see this little jump in verse 5. It says, Have you forgotten the exhortations that addresses you as, as sons? And while it's a jump now reminding us that we are our sons. It also keeps us on this focus of, it's not singular, reminding you that you are a son. It's plural. It's continuing to keep in mind this, this concept of family, this concept of the body of Christ, this concept of many, not just one son, but sons. And, and check this out. He's talking about this. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. So here's what that means. And, and again, even as I'm exposing this to you guys, probably as of recently, as if I was just studying this like last week, can I admit that? <laughs> I was still taking this so personal. I was, I was still taking this and looking at this as if, Okay, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of, of the Lord. And so when I'm, I'm being reproved, I'm being corrected. And once again, yes, the original context of that would point to that. Like it's important that we know that we're being corrected by God because we're continually making mistakes because uh, we have this brokenness within us. Paul would talk about this between Romans 6 and Romans 7, how the old us is dead and he, he, we ought to render him dead. We ought to declare the old him dead, but he still comes around. It's still like he's following us because we haven't gotten that new, completely new flesh yet, which we will get when we get to heaven. Right? That's why the whole reason of that is, is there. But he... The important thing to realize is let's get the eyes out of looking at myself and giving me the freedom to be reproved and now using that as an expectation for all the people around me. Right. If I'm being reproved on a normal basis, that means the body of Christ is being reproved on a normal basis, which means people are making mistakes on a normal basis. You guys get this? We have this, you must have this expectation as we go into community with living together, that people are messy. I've said this before in the context of discipleship. Discipleship is messy, right? Peter and them are always doing dumb things. I love that. Jesus, can we call down fire on them? No. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go to the cross. No, you're not, Jesus. Like, getting in front, that's the whole, like, purpose why he came and Peter's getting in the way. Like, disciples do this type of stuff. Discipleship is messy. Church community is, is messy. We should expect that there will be mistakes made. We should expect that that's going to make me uncomfortable. We should expect that there's going to be difficulty in relationship with people. Now, why do I say this? Because I feel like, I don't even know how we got here, but we feel like church should be these perfect people. And perhaps, perhaps it's the, the way church has been built with the leaders in the front and all these perfect, but if anything, if we've learned anything from just watching pastors over the past five years, is that they're pretty messed up too. Time and time and time again. Hey, authors too. 
Christian book authors too, right? Other type of church leaders too. People are just messed up. We ought to just expect that difficult things are gonna happen within relationship with with people because they're not perfect yet. But the goal is to walk through these struggles, and I love how uh, the author says this, as we walk through these struggles, we ought to walk through it with a similar amount of grace that Jesus showed on the cross. Was that a lot of grace? <sighs> Y'all, that's a lot of grace. And now we're supposed to show that same grace to other people. That hits me just a different way. It hits me a different way this morning because I'm, I'm thinking about like, yeah, I, I give people grace, of course. Of course I give people grace. But the amount of grace that Jesus gave on the cross, that leaves me reaching for more. I need more grace. I need to give more grace, and I need y'all to give me more grace. I need us to give each other more grace. Let me just read through this a little more in verse 7. It says, it's for discipline that you've endured. God is treating you as not just a son, but sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which you have all participated, then you're illegitimate children and sons. I mean, that's just striking, isn't it? Like, if we're not being corrected, this should make us think back, when was the last time I was corrected? Because if I'm not being corrected by God, if I'm not being shaped by God, then I'm not actually his son. Yo, that's heavy. But it's real. It's real. I, I think, quite honestly, it would probably be beneficial for us to look through our life and ask, when was the last time I was corrected by God? On a normal basis. Like, perhaps that should be in our journal entries, like, at, at the very least, weekly. I mean, m many of us, like, daily probably would be helpful, right? Just to recall, this should be a normal part of our life, and it should be a normal part of the people around, around us. This might have some practical implications, though, as we just think about what this could mean as we just kind of walk through a series on living together, how do we, I, I thought about calling this series, How to Survive Christian Community. <laughs> I decided to go with a title with a little bit more grace, which again, we'll, we'll get to, but just think about the practical implications of, of this, that my prickly attitude might be called out when we live in this type of, of community. My sin, my difficult behavior, it might be called out. And here's the way we often look at this, and the church has looked at this historically. As I say this, all the good Christians say, heck yes, pastor. Look at all the sin that so-and-so has. Look at all the sin that this person has in their life. But here's, here's what I'm calling us to. Like, let's, let's start with removing the plank from our own eyes. Evaluating our own life. Then seeking and asking Jesus-following friends to help us grow by, and I put this boldly in my notes, softly exposing my weaknesses. We might need that. We might need to have that soft that soft encouragement to come before us. But here's, here's the goal verse for this series. 
It's verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Unless you live in holiness, you will not see the Lord. And this is directly referring to a part of this holiness being us living in peace with everyone. This word here for peace is the title of our sermon, our sermon series, rather. It's called Irene. Now, that's a Greek word. I've titled it The Only Way Moving Forward for Church Community. There's an old song that Reba sang back in the day called Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene. You guys remember? There's a few of you in here. Okay. Anyways, so that's what I keep. Oh, was it? I think. Oh, Dolly. Oh, my bad. Duh, duh. Yeah. I'm sure Reba sang it too. So that was probably just the last one I saw. It's okay. It's all right. But anyway, that's how I'm remembering the title of our series because I just keep thinking, Irene, 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 Irene. I just, and now it's going to be stuck in your head so you will know exactly what we were doing in church for the next couple of months. Irene, baby, Irene, 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 Irene. Now, if you're from the streets or you speak Greek, you'll say this the correct way. It's Irene. Irene, hey. So hopefully those two ways will help you recall and remember what it is that we are talking about. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean? It's a state of national tranquility. It is an exemption from rage and the havoc of war. It is peace between individuals. It is harmony and concord. You can see it time and time and time again used throughout the scriptures. It's used in, I'm going to list off a whole bunch of scriptures here in like 30 seconds. Acts 7.26, Acts 24.2, Mark 5.34, Mark 10.13, Acts 10.36, Acts 12.20, Romans 15.33. Paul uses this term time and time again. He says, now, in Romans 15, 33, and a number of other places, the God of Irene, 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 he's the God of this peace. So literally, what Paul is doing is he's saying, this is a part of the identity of our God that he wants to see imparted unto us. But it's something that we have to step into we have to strive for this Irene, hey, for everybody, everywhere that we go. But it has to start first here within the body of Christ. Has to, we've got to be able to do it here. The whole point of church is that we would be a light in a place of example not that it's supposed to be perfect, not that it will reach perfection, but it should be a safe place where we can work on this together. Yeah. Calling us together. Next several weeks will be marked with a study of just practical, real-life ways that we can strive together for peace with everyone. And I've, I've held this conviction here with me ever since I've given my life to the Lord. And the conviction is this, that if you're not doing it 100% of the way, God's way, then you're not doing it God's way. 
And there's this tendency within life that we will continue to grab a hold of the things from the world around us and add them into our Christianity. We've got to be at this place of doing it 100% of the way, God's way. Why? Because he's supposed to be 100% the Lord of our lives. Not just a quota, not just 10%. The whole, the whole thing. Now, I think the church across America and across our region specifically even has done really well at constructing services and doing really well with religion. But I think we've done really poorly with true, authentic, biblical community. Amen. We do gatherings really well. We do services really well. But the reality of church here is that someone gets offended by something someone said, something someone did, something someone thought in their head that I thought that they thought. Right? Now, this is not to point fingers at anybody. This is not to put blame on, on anybody. But I think we've just got to take a step back and really step into this place of what does it look like to really seek for harmony together within the body of Christ? I think it requires a number of of things. It requires that we be, once again, committed to expecting to have people step on our toes, committing to accepting that people are gonna do offensive things. They're going to, if you are one of those visual learners, they're going to have all of the materials to build a fence. And you're going to say, I'm not going to allow you to build an offense. I will not be offended by what you do because I know that we're committed to grow together in Jesus. We've got to be committed to normalizing the enduring and sticking it out. One of the things that culture has done, especially here, has normalized the art of leaving. Once anything halfway or a quarter of the way offensive takes place, I'm gone and I'm going to talk about that for the next five years to eight years of my life. Tell me I ain't wrong. This is what, this is what takes place. What if we could get to a place where we renormalize the art of sticking it out through difficulty, the art of commitment to a body of Christ, the art of growing together, the art of being offended together, but saying, I know in their heart they really didn't mean that, and so we're gonna figure out how to work this out. We've gotta be committed to forgiveness despite how much we feel like the other party deserves it. We've gotta be committed to candor, which is open communication, where everyone feels free to voice how they feel, but we're also hungry to hear how other people feel about how we feel. And maybe sometimes people are gonna expose why our, our feelings don't necessarily align with the word of God. We gotta be committed to repentance quickly. As soon as we realize it, we repent, admitting our faults, our weaknesses, committing to a process of growth. We've got to be committed to reconciliation. In other words, we're saying, I'm hurting right now, but I'm committed to figuring this out. 
We've got to be committed to not talk about people inappropriately behind their backs. We've got to be committed to having godly expectations for the people around me. And no, I'm not ignorant, ignorant enough to think and expect that a simple sermon series is just going to flip this upside down. It's going to fix everything here. But I am courageous enough to have faith in God that I can stand before you just as Joshua did and say that I've received direction from the Lord, that this is the direction that God is calling Rise Church to go in. And if you choose to engage and implement these practices that we're going to be presenting, God will be faithful to level some walls in our region, to allow his light to shine. Come on. We get to learn how to be an example of what true biblical godly community looks like. We get to do it from the word of God. And so we're going to engage. I'm, I'm asking you, join me in this journey in this season that we would grow together in what it really looks like to endure this thing and build this thing together. I know many of us are, are really well committed. I'm just calling everyone else in. Let's, let's jump in. Let's grow together. Let's do community together. Worship team, if you guys would come, come on up. I think one of the things that can be hard is when we have been hurt by the church. Anybody been hurt by the church? One of the things that I can't personally do is go back into each one of those church leaders' shoes or church bodies' shoes and go back and apologize for them. But what I can say to you is that God doesn't want you to stay in that hurt. And so I just feel like he's calling us into just a moment of acknowledging those hurts and just saying, God, I'm moving past it. I'm moving past it. Those things did happen. But listen, we're looking to build something that helps eliminate some of that. That helps us to move past some of those things. Where we can honestly just be real with each other. Are you guys like hungry to experience that? Like what I'm talking about, I just think about the truest of communities where we can just be encouraging each other and be open with each other and be real with each other that we don't have to do the whole fake thing anymore. I'm so sick of the fake, guys. I've done it too much. I just, I want, I want real. I want real biblical family. So Father God, we just lay this before you as we look at the season in front of us. As we look at just this invitation that you're giving us to dive into something that we're building together. God, I pray that you would stir in each of our hearts. God, I pray right now that you would show each person under the sound of my voice just how important they are every single person under the sound of my voice, how important they are, God. How you have specifically given them gifts, how you've specifically given them strengths, how you've built them in a specific way to help build what you're doing here. God wants you to know you're important. 
So I thank you for that, God. As we move forward, would you just continue to give us direction? Continue to fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord. Fire us up this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this Rise Church podcast. If this was a blessing to you, there's a number of things that could do to help us continuing to minister to the world around us and getting that good news about Jesus Christ out. Could you like this podcast? Could you share this podcast? Could you quote this podcast? All of those would be a great blessing. If you would like to give financially to Rise Church to help us continue on this mission, please go to risechurchid.org. Be blessed, my friend.